0: What's going on? This is Reg D, the host of the Get At Me Dad podcast. So check it. As a black father myself, I think we get a bad rap. Yeah, we, people of color, black folks, African Americans, we get a bad rap. Society would have us think that we are not present, not connected, but we're doing our thing. We're raising strong families. Now, no one is perfect. We all have ways that we can improve, but that is with any race and with anything. I know some fathers are not present with the mother of their children. That doesn't mean that they're not present in the lives of their children. So we're here to change the narrative of how we are perceived and received. We're covering a variety of topics to help fathers be better advocates for their families and for their children, supporting them so they can support others. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Reg D with the Get At Me Dad podcast. I'm excited to have you back with us again. Uh, And I know that and I trust that you've been enjoying the episodes that have been dropped so far. There's some great knowledge, some great um, just dialogue that's been happening regarding fathers and fatherhood. And so I hope you appreciate it and can use it. And I'm excited to bring today another guest, uh, a worker in the fatherhood community, Hayes. He is the director uh, of Focus Hope. He is the founder of Forgotten Felons. He's also an early childhood educator as well as the creator of Man. And I turn it over to none other than Hayes. I want him to just introduce himself and tell you a little bit about the work that he does here in Detroit. Hello, everyone. Thank you for allowing me to be your guest
1: on the show, show Rich. I appreciate that. For sure, for sure. No problem. So uh, my name is uh, Wayman Hayes. Some people call me Dr. Wayman Hayes. I just go by Hayes. I'm east side, from the east side of Detroit. So you just say? You know, just keep it simple. Uh, I, I'm really embedded a community. First off, I'm a man of God. Uh, I do God's work. I'm a director Focus Hope. I create a uh, program called Forgotten Felons to really work and assist individuals coming from prison within the five years period of time. Just reconnect them back to the community and their families. A lot of times, individuals come from jail and we just expect them to jump back on in, or their families just expect to open up just to welcome them in. So, we really just mm. focus on building that family relationship back up uh, like it needs to be. As well as MAN, I created MAN most recently for the simple fact. Because Forgotten Felons, uh, when people hear that name, a lot of work <laughs> I deal with with fathers in the community. And when they hear Forgotten Felons, they get kind of nervous as scary individuals. So I said, OK, let me create something separate just to focus on men because I do work with a lot of men. And Forgotten mm-hmm. Felons is working with men and women because people be surprised at how many women that's transitioning from being incarcerated back into the lives of their families as well.
0: Mm man, that's powerful. You're doing some great work, you know? And, and, and and it sounds like it's ministry for you. And I agree. Like for this, for me, this is ministry as well. Like this is the reason why I do it. Right. Because I believe in strong families and I believe men have to be involved to help those families be strong. So man, I'm I'm excited to be connected with you in this work. Uh, You know, we were introduced uh, what I guess about a month ago or so um, with a project that we're working on. And, um, with you, you know, working, let's, let's talk about the forgotten felons okay. piece first. I think that's, I think that's really big for listeners, right? Because, um, I like to, and, and I, I get why you had to change it. It <laughs> makes sense, right? You know, some people, you know, they don't necessarily drive with, uh, you know, that, that term felons, mm-hmm. but the fact still remains, like we, we have a population of people who, um, society expects to be, uh, what was the word? Rehabilitated right. and acclimated to, to to go forth as, uh, you know, good citizens. But yet they've been ostracized. Right. They not, not have maybe not have given the, the right tips and tools to do what they need to do. And one of those things could be parenthood. Exactly. Right? Um, and so let's talk about that. Like what experiences have you found? working with you know um those who were incarcerated and now are, are on the outside and trying to to move forward
1: so a lot of uh like i saw, i've been working with most closely lately as individuals that's been coming out being exonerated guys who did mm. years one of the gentlemen in 19 years in prison for a crime that they realized he did not commit at all oh, and uh a lot of young a lot of men come out they uh have babies quick <laughs> with no parenting mm-hmm. with no parenting tools at all <laughs> and as well as try to re get back into in, re-engage to their family life. some had kids before they mm-hmm. went inside and they trying to get relationship back with their kids a lot of kids blame them for choices they made a lot of uh, mothers you know our mother's gonna stick by us no matter what right but a lot of right. them lost their mothers by the, while they've been inside and couldn't do nothing about mm-hmm. it and now they try to re-engage back with other family members. At the same time. And you'd be surprised how many women that's coming out who had babies why, before they went in and um, lost rights to their child. And now they're just trying to build a relationship back up with the kids and just reconnect all over again. So the whole focus is if somebody has five years or just got out, we work with them. Or if you got mm-hmm. five years in and we can work with you and also build a relationship back up with you your family by providing mental health support for the family members, uh, uh, financial literacy, so when they come out, okay, you can help them get a house, we purchase homes, we help them get houses, and just find wow. some place where the individuals can go. So within that yeah. five years, create a whole family plan. So when individuals come out, okay, our family got a plan, I got a plan, and just help me see it through. A lot of families don't really understand just being away. You ever been on vacation, you've been gone for a week, and you come back, it just <laughs> seems like you lost, you go back to job like
0: Right, right, right. Just imagine somebody coming
1: out, within two and three years, just, just, a imagine
0: them, like time lost, time right? like, yeah. like they went in one way and like, they came out and things are just like, it's like you were stuck in like a time, you know, a different time zone or something like that. Uh-huh. Right. Like you're stuck in the past and time has just flew by. Exactly. Right? You know, like, uh, man, that's crazy. And then with this whole but COVID, fact, with this COVID yeah. piece,
1: a lot of guys is coming out, uh, or women is coming out now and they haven't seen anybody. And a length of time, mm. a long length of time. And they lost a lot of loved ones. So the mental health is real serious, you know. Mm-hmm. And after you come out, of, a lot of guys go back because you, what you do, go back to what you know. Easy, quick mm-hmm. money because you got to eat. And some family members are suffering and starving and sacrificing now to try to help support. There's only so much they can
0: do at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, like you said a lot there, yeah. right? A lot from the mental health to creating a, a plan. And I want to talk about the plan mm-hmm. real quick, right? Because um, I believe that you have to have a plan, mm-hmm. right? Without a plan, like, you know, the Bible says, without a vision, what mm-hmm. the people perish, right? right? You got to have um, a roadmap for where you're trying to get to. And so I think that that's a gap filler, right? Like, what you're doing is a gap mm-hmm. filler, it's, it's helping to. Uh, matriculate people back into society in a positive way. Right. And and I think that's necessary. So when you talk about that family plan, I like what you're doing there. And um, I guess I want to have some more, you know, this, let can we dig deeper with yes, that? Because mm-hmm. I think when you're talking about someone who, as we already discussed is coming from, you know, five, you know, years or more, or, you know, whatever loss, and now they're coming into a family who, you know, they blame them. Mm-hmm. Right. Family may not even be present, different financial situations. Like, how do they receive? Like, how do they receive the help? Like, what is it that you do to get into their world? Because I'm imagining that they are frustrated, right, that they're upset themselves and that they're trying to wrap their mind, about, you know, around all these changes. How do you get into their world to guide them with this plan?
1: So a lot of family members who we've been working with at the present time, they've been receptive uh, Okay, with the individuals that's in there and they're coming out or just came home. But what mm. the thing, part of it is with the mental health piece, a lot of the individuals don't understand that uh you can't make up from yesterday. You got to be on some moving forward. You know, that person is not that the same, same Come person. on now.
0: You can't, you can't go back to yesterday. You, you have to move forward. <laughs> that right there, man. You got to move forward. And mm-hmm. how do you
1: move forward? So that's where the mental health come in at because a lot of times individual who went in, did a lot of damage. And I don't think society understand when we do uh, lock someone up, it do take away mm-hmm. from that family uh, where the mm-hmm. person was selling drugs and they was feeding everybody. And now mm-hmm. I'm in and I done lost contact and now nobody wants to back out for me. So it's just a lot of damage that's been done. So that whole counseling and mental health piece is a real important piece. And then really how mm-hmm. to get the individual back on track. And that's where that financial literacy come in at and also finding out what an individual is good at. What you what you good at? If you like to make t-shirts, you like to design, okay, we're gonna sell t-shirts. You like to cut grass, you like to paint. So we're gonna start a mm-hmm. company to paint, you know, we gotta start small. So it's just them the small things to really get the people back focused.
0: So with that, right, like I hear and I and I feel that, like I really do. I, I feel the heart and the passion behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to those individuals. Right. Because I think that their stories are powerful. Right. They, they can transform, you know, not only their life, but the lives of their family members and those who may be going down a certain, you know, a certain path that will help them, you know, avert those those, you know, bad decisions in some ways. Like, how has it been working with those individuals? Have they um, like because there's power in their story, like how do we get them to tell their story so that it can encourage others? Right. That may be struggling because I believe with the mental health piece, sometimes you need to hear success stories to help encourage you to keep moving Mm -hmm. forward. Right. Right. So like how do we how do you or or do you work with them to to help them harness their stories? Because I think that's important.
1: So, yes, we do help some harness their stories and some get stuck in their Mm. stories. So you have a lot of vision. That's all they talk about is what I used to do and what it used to be. And no, uh, they don't. They get they get so stuck that they don't move forward. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not there. And sometimes with them stories of, a lot of people talk about what happened inside of prison. They talk about the good things that happened inside of prison. Some talk about the bad things that happened inside of prison. But really focusing on how do we move forward, and if you made a decision that was bad, how do you share that decision and take what you learned from that. To have another young person, a person that's going through the same thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's very difficult sometimes for that story piece, because <laughs> uh, some people get lost in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes no, I think that <laughs> yeah. Go.
0: No, I was going to say, I think that, you know, with that, right, I know we have some things we're working on and and hopefully we can get some of those individuals to participate mm-hmm. with this, because I think that it's therapeutic. Right? right. When we get to talking about our story. Right. It helps us to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a presentation recently talking about the story of like how I got into fatherhood. Right. You know, and how my journey went, um, you know, and, and prompted me to get involved because of the way the medical system really treated me as a father. Um and as I was telling the story, like, you know, so many people were like, were like, wow, you know, like, this is like, this is what I experienced. And yes, you know, I felt alone and it, it offered ability for us to open up and have dialogue, but at the same time we can look for resolution now because now we have more information to make changes to a system that was trying to really keep us oppressed and bound. Mm-hmm. And still, I believe in some ways do that, you know, does that today. So um, we really want to, you know, encourage those that are listening, you know, let us hear your story right. we want to we want you to participate with us reach out to us we'll drop some information um so that you can see it um so that you can reach out to us but the power of your story don't underestimate yeah. it right don't never underestimate the power of your story um and so you know you, you also mentioned that you're working um at focus hope you know and for anyone who doesn't know about focus hope can you just you know Tell our listeners a little bit about what, you know, what that um, agency is about. So, folks,
1: so started back in 1968 after the riots by Father Cunningham, um, and it was based around really feeding women and children. And it went on to feed uh, seniors, and it started scaffolding, and then it scaffolded so much to it got into workforce. And uh, they received a donation and brought this whole big old building that used to be a Ford plant. And they turned it to a workforce training for people in the community, people in Detroit, to just get into engineering and other workforce. Mm. And they noticed that uh, a lot of people that was coming in were women, and they needed childcare. So they started off a childcare program. Where they provide daycare services. And then in 2014, they received a federal grant to offer Head Start. A lot of people don't understand it's the difference between Head Start and daycare. So daycare just mom, and, mm-hmm. I mean, just parents just paying, but with Head Start, the federal government. Put billions of dollars to Head start. Education, so it's, education, yeah, exactly. it's more of an educational program that's really focused on right. the entire family. So it's really family creating goals, family creating plans. So you just don't work with the kid; you work with the entire family, and also you work with kid with uh, disability, special needs as well. And it's an income based mm-hmm. program for people with low income to help them kids get a head start. But their focus, hope with early learning, what we focus on is pregnant moms. So we teach breast we have breastfeeding clubs to help support women with breastfeeding we have a clinic inside and we provide wick service as well and uh, immunization and any other things that the kids may need to make sure they are healthy we have mm-hmm. uh, a home-based program where the individual go out to the parents home because parents are the first teacher so how do we support the parents and get them the tools and the skills they need uh if they can be the best parent and be their child first teacher. We provide head start gsrp which is state funded service and we have a wonderful program called Men in Motion. With Men in Motion, men in motion. with Men in Motion, that's a program really designed to help support fathers, and really to give father resources that their needs are. Focus on trainings. Uh, the biggest training that's always asked about is Friends of Court. And a lot of our fathers come in is <laughs> Friends of Court, and sometimes it used to be hard to get fathers to participate in activities. The reason being is years ago they used to set fathers up with, okay, come here and participate, and the sheriffs come out the back closet and lock them up. Out they, they waiting. So a lot of times, Man. people still hear them sad stories, so we have to dig deep and be a relationship and trust with the guys to get them to participate. And, like, now we are one of the – so in the city, state of Michigan, uh, city of Detroit, actually, I am the only male director in Head Start in the city of Detroit. Wow. And in the state of Michigan, you have two other men that's male directors, but I'm the only male, black male director. Congrats, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Like We
0: have to break through you these barriers. Man. Through. Like, I'm one of two. I'm one of two <laughs> male, black male CLCs. So I'm I'm a certified lactation mm-hmm. counselor. I'm one of I think two in Michigan, right? like We have to uh, get in these places and spaces so that our voices can be heard. And and I say that because fathers right they need to hear and see someone that they can relate to exactly right if they can't see or or feel like they can trust and relate to an individual they're going to back away and other men right? as well and, and that's exactly another right? like, yeah
1: go ahead so go like ahead. for instance, we are the only program, so 30 percent of our staff is male staff so we have a male leadership team we have a male family service worker we have male teachers we have a male cook, we have male custodians Male you know, drivers. We have men working in every position, and we are the only one in the nation. Mm. In the nation, to have men in every area, the only one. Wow. You don't have another program like this in a city where people are suffering enrollment. We have full enrollment. We have full staff. So <laughs> one thing we don't have is we look for a nurse. And so you know it's hard to find nurses when people are paying yeah, hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my budget <laughs> ain't that. I can pay you. I can pay you twenty eight, maybe thirty. I can't get a honey, So you know it's hard to find yeah. that.
0: It's hard to find nurses. <laughs> it's period, hard to find man. Nurses. Trust me. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: but uh, and I I praying on that all the time for the simple fact is the good work, the great work that we do in my team. Not just the men. We have wonderful women that do this. That get up in the middle of the night to go support women doing childbirth and uh mm-hmm. giving them supplies giving resources making sure they go to the doctor we have a lot of young women that are pregnant young girls the youngest girl we ever serviced was pregnant with 13. And so uh for me just seeing that uh alone throughout the years it's like wow wow for me yeah so for sure. so we just worked on a project and the project was called the importance of men supporting women During pregnancy -hmm. And also safe sleep. So the Mm -hmm. so objective was that was to really find out what men knew. We want to what the men know, and what we found is that a lot of the older gentlemen didn't know jack. I'm
0: sorry. (laughs) I mean, come on, let's be (laughs) real about it, right? Let's be real about it. (laughs) Let's be real about it. Why? (laughs) Because we were told we just provide exactly. Women take care of the babies. We bring home the bacon. And they cook it, right? That was it. So that point you just made, provide. So we had a discussion mm-hmm. in within that whole
1: uh, series of conversation of what that means, provide. And uh, provide, be a providers and protectors of women. Because we was told we were mm-hmm. protectors, protect women. Mm-hmm. And it was one young lady who brought up a good point. She's like, women want men to protect their hearts. Mm. And right there, that, would, that, that hit me like, okay, because... I never thought of that. Like, it's like, okay, if a guy run up, somebody run the house, I'm supposed to protect you.
0: You step up I'll and step do what up. you need to do.
1: You know what right. I mean? But what do they actually mean to protect your heart? That's where mm-hmm. that cheating comes from. That's where that manipulation comes from. That's where that domestic violence comes from. That means listening to what they're saying and really being concerned. And it just was deep to hear the conversation. So we invited women in one day and let them talk, and it was only a couple of men in the room, and we were just writing mm-hmm. down what they said. It was not to rationale and not to mm-hmm. debate it. We want just listen. We want to listen, and I learned a yep. lot from these women
0: uh, on that day, based around that conversation. And Man, let me just pause right there. Like you can do a whole lot when you just sit and listen to somebody, right? Because I think that we argue too much, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm speaking in general terms, right? Without just Hearing individuals out, like let's not say anything. Let's just do what you just said that you and your team did. You listened and you wrote down. You took notes, mm-hmm. right, so that you can now have an intelligent and a meaningful conversation. I and mean,
1: that's powerful. And it was really, you know, because we do too much talking to listen to hear what you're saying to come back. Mm-hmm. I want to come back. I want to challenge what you say. You come and see what I can. Hear. Yeah, I want to yeah. challenge it. And so that was the whole attempt not to happen because like a lot of times we would say okay why we didn't come there? I need to come to the fatherhood meeting or I need to come to be on no just sit back and listen to what the men said. you may not agree and they may not say it the way you want to hear they might not even say it the proper mm-hmm. way but right are you really hearing what he are saying their heart are you hearing yes. their heart and I think a yes. lot of times that's what a lot of men are suffering in silence from because no one is really hearing their heart at all. And so, I learned a lot from the men, uh, young men, older men. The youngest guy we had was 17. The older gentleman we had, oldest gentleman we had was uh 61. We had between 43 to 47 guys to participate in this whole activity. And it was, wow. it was powerful. And it was during COVID time um, where we kept everybody safe. So we had no outbreak yeah. of COVID. Nobody reported to have COVID at all. So we was really proud
0: about that yes yeah man like that that in itself right like that everything that you just said like I mean we could talk for hours (laughs) about that right because it's so much power in that Mm -hmm. right Um, and I want to go back like briefly to the barriers. Right. Because one of the things I do in my organization that not only do we have to get at me, dad podcast, but recently launched a nonprofit um, to offer resources and guidance for 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 men and fathers and really families mm-hmm. in general. Right. Like, how do we work through um, our issues? Because at the end of the day, like we should be focused on the children. Right? right. Not put the children in the middle, but the children are to be lifted up so that we can help them be successful adults. So. You know, that friend of the court situation is huge, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and, you know, there's that old saying, the friend of the court ain't no friend of mine, right? right? Like, that's just how the mentality has been. Um, And I know that there's been changes over the years to help improve the system, right? But But, um, the barrier still exists because you have to break through that old mindset. What have you found to be successful to break that mindset to get men to trust to, to, to you and to come out to the groups and things that help them be educated so that they can be better fathers and lead their families better, even if they're not with, you know, the child's mother.
1: So for me, it's sharing my story because I went through the system and okay. um, it, I had my uh, second daughter and mom was on welfare and trying to make her way through, God bless, she did make her way, she way through, but she was premature. And I started off, mm. I started off in a hole with, what, $34,000. And they used to, and I went into real estate and they used to take it and take it. So I just share my journey with the men to make them feel comfortable. And mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, by sharing that, giving them other resources as well. And just It's really about the relationship building that we have with the men and let them come in and hear and at the mm-hmm. end of the day, no matter what, you're not a bad guy. And helping them understand that uh, child support is not meant to be your friend. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> I, I'm just sorry. It's a it's a, it's a, a collection yeah, 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 yeah. And it's about the child, even though we don't agree to what right. people are paying. With the whole process the whole of how process. they do it. So, yeah. But I believe now that it's still not fair because I joined, me, I believe, in order to make change, we don't make change and complain about it we change make change by joining policies. So the mm-hmm. policy group that's working on change the policy for the I joined that group. And I encourage other men right. to join that group. And what I learned was that a lot of decisions that was made in the policy was created by white women. So if you got
0: a bunch of white women, I do to say, right? Aren't even in the you system themselves, themselves, right? Like, uh, I mean, they don't understand it, right? It, so, it's, it's about family. I mean, it's really tough it's
1: about family court. And once you help me understand yeah. what, well, okay, these are the system issues. Now, this is the way we go around the issues. Understand mm-hmm. why you're paying, understand what you can do more of, understand what you can't. And really, it's not about the mob. A lot of times, a lot of guys, mm-hmm. I learned, not all, but some, but still bitter. Because they want to be with the mom or they want to control the mom. And then sometimes you have women that's bitter because they want to control the man with the child. So that's why you find anytime mm-hmm. a man really loves his kid, the woman try to play the game of, I'm keeping the kid away from you, I'm doing this and that. Right, right. You have a one man who's like, okay, forget that kid, I don't care. You ain't got a game to play at all. You're stuck. And so we give two guys tools as well, like, okay, go pick the kid up on the weekend. Here go some ideas, some uh, things you can do with the kid. So give them some uh, activities they can do. Give them places where they can take the kid for free if you don't have money. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. These are things that you need to do when you have your child to protect you and protect your child. And uh, once you continue to do that and give that woman a break, then you'll build that relationship different. -hmm. So we just about just giving strategies and ideas of things they can do and just and strategies they can use to try to build a relationship with their child mother.
0: Man, like oh my gosh, like I want (laughs) to like this right here, like this, and this is what the podcast is about, right? It's changing the narrative of how we're you know viewed, like as black men as black fathers, right? Because you know I I believe again that society always wants to paint us as individuals who don't want to be active and involved in our in our children's lives, but from the What you're sharing and the things that, you know, you you see and that you work with on a daily basis, that's not the case Mm at all. Right. Like some fathers, because they love their children so much, but have been kept back, they become embittered. And so then they just rebel against Mm -hmm. it. Not that they don't love that child, but they rebel against it because they feel like their hands are tied behind their back and they don't have a way to actually move forward. But what you're doing is providing tools to help them move forward so that they can be in active and involved in a, in a children's lives. Mm-hmm. Like that's powerful, right? That's, I, I believe at the end of the day, what we all want, you know, we, we put money in there we make this game. And I, and I believe that the systems are designed to try to keep us separated, and keep us mm-hmm. broken and keep us, you know, down in, in some ways. And I'm not on the narrative that the man is always trying to, you know, keep us down and bound. But what I am saying is that sometimes the systems don't reflect and help us the way that it sh- that the way it's, you know, quote unquote designed to. So, Um, What you're doing is, again, I like that you're filling the gaps, like you're finding the holes and then you're finding ways to fill the gap. And I think that's important. That's what we need. That's the reason why we do what we do. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't fill the gap, then we're going to stay in this same cycle, right, in the same broken system that is going to ultimately continue to hurt black families, minority families specifically. Um, So, no, man, that's that's great. That's great work. You also talked about um, throughout, you know, the process. um, Well, let me ask you this question, too. What has the results been from some of the fathers that you've seen, like when they came and then when they left? Like, can you describe for our listeners, like what does that look like for those fathers?
1: So a lot of family fathers who participated built great relationships with their kid mother a lot of them receive employment. Like a lot of guys, a lot of guys work for us. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, <laughs> so we was wow. so we had opportunity to hire a lot of guys. So majority of the guys who work for us was fathers in the program. So we mm-hmm. uh, sent them to CDA school. They got their child uh, development associate's degree and uh, certification, and they work for us. And some went on to went to truck driver school throughout the organization that provide the workforce program. And some have decent relationship with their kid's mother. And yeah, some of them talk about they share their birthing journey where they did not participate. And now they understand mm. uh, the whole idea of being involved. Some understand now that okay, let me pay this child support, even though I owe eighty thousand dollars, let me knock it down with this hundred dollars, it's gonna take for me a week. So now I'm showing purpose, uh, and some utilize the tools that we give them to try to build a relationship with their kid, and not make it about the mother. Because mm-hmm. you, a lot of times the men come in, I don't want another man around my child. That's never going to be possible, sir.
0: Right, you, you have no control. <laughs> you have no over control that.
1: over that. So you, that's right. a losing battle that you're going to fight, and you're going to see yourself. You want to be the best influence that you can be in your child. Exactly. Life. And how do you build that yeah. relationship up with the child, mother, and whoever she decides to be involved? You can always say that I want no man hitting my child because that was always my piece. I don't want nobody disciplining right. physical, but me, and right. that's something that I really don't do. So I don't want that. And so let's find a way to communicate how we're going to discipline, but that man going to be an influence and how do you partner with other men, you know? So.
0: Man, that's deep. That is deep. Um, two more things. And then I know we probably want to get ready and wrap it up just for this, you know, this episode, but you mentioned um, birthing journey and you mentioned the policy involvement. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about the policy involvement real quick, okay. right? Because I think that that is something that we have to be willing to do. Right. A lot of times we complain about what's going on. We say how unfair it is, but we don't try to get to the table. Right. We don't try to get to the place where people can actually hear mm-hmm. our voice and hear our stories, mm-hmm. where we can advocate for ourselves. So how did you go about doing that? So for me, uh, what I heard you say was how do
1: I get to advocate for myself for my birthday journey?
0: We're really- well, for the for the specifically, first of all, for the um the friend of the court policies mm-hmm. like, right. Like you got to that place. How did you even matriculate to get there? Uh,
1: found a way to figure out um, <laughs> how to get in and uh, mm-hmm. get involved by participate in everything. I see fathers come up in and that's the way I got in that door and uh, worked with some people from Wayne state who did research and who helped us support their project. And that's how I was able mm-hmm. to get in. And so when I got in, always find a way to pull other men in because even when I first started off in a meeting, you had only a few men involved and, uh, and hearing stories, sometimes the men don't even have kids or their husbands. So a husband is, it's a different, um, yeah, situation than from a, a father who went through a lustful situation. I met her at the club and now she's pregnant. Mm hmm. And what you gonna do? So now,
0: now I'm responsible for. You know what I mean? Right. Just so a whole different situation. For sure. For sure. No. So that's that's good. So it's it's sometimes what. So what I heard you say then is you have to take time to find out what else is going on out there and get involved. Right. Like get involved. If you see fatherhood things taking place, mm-hmm. find a way to get involved. Because if you want to make change, then you have to be that. You change, that change. Right? You have to be that change. And that means you have to, to to give of yourself, somewhat sacrifice a little bit of your time, energy, whatever, to make the change happen. So you know, that's powerful. And then the last thing I want to talk about is, again, the birthing journey, the yes. story, right? Like, again, the story is what got me involved in the work. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I went... It was, fairly young when uh, my wife and I uh, got married and then we had our first child, like three months after um, getting married, uh, we found out that we were um, expecting. And so with that, you know, I looked really young. Like I looked like I was, you know, 16 years old, you know, I was 150 pounds maybe, (laughs) you know? And so like when I walked into these medical systems, they didn't even see me. Right. Right. Like to the point where I almost said, forget it. Like I wanted to walk away because I was like, Everything is about you and everything is about this baby. But what about me? I'm struggling. I'm tired. I'm trying to go to school. I'm trying to provide. And I am stressed. I don't know how we going to make it. And yet all these people don't care about me. Right right? Like when you don't feel cared about, like that makes you want to truly just step back and say, if I'm not cared about here, let me find somewhere where I can be cared about. Um, But obviously I persevered, you know, through the grace of God. And um, it's actually helped me to be the man that I am today and and, and help other fathers Mm -hmm. and and help to tell the story. So, you know, when it comes to that birthing story and that birthing journey, you know, i imagine, because the fathers I talk to, some fathers, you know, regret not being able to be in the room. Um, And sometimes by not being in the room, there's things happening, you know, and and it's unfortunate that uh, in black community, we have, although we are, you know, a minority, we have the largest maternal infant death rate Mm -hmm. in the country, right? To me and to a lot of us, that's a problem, Mm -hmm. right? How do we make that problem come to the forefront? And I think by being present, and being able to tell our stories, you know, um, is one of those things that we should be doing to help advocate for ourselves. So you were going to talk about your birthing journey in that story with, you know, with the mother of your children. So what's that about? So
1: for me, uh, I was still young when I had my first set of kids. um Mm-hmm. And then I went until I got older and started all over again,
0: <laughs> so about you said round two is about to be better. right, so my
1: oldest is twenty six and my youngest is five. Wow, exactly what a guy it's a huge guy, Man. and uh all together, I have seven, okay, you know what I mean uh I prayed for one son and I end up having three. <laughs> <laughs> God only knew what he was doing. But it it, it made appear, because my boys are so close in age, it made it look like, okay, he was out here being reckless. Not the case, but I'm grateful to have my boys. But I participated in each one of the births. And Mm -hmm. just not knowing what I know now, with all the kids, you know, you grow older and you grow wisdom. And when you participate and you get this knowledge from the doulas, like I didn't know... I got an opportunity with my daughter to be able to um to do skin to skin. Because when mm-hmm. I had the boys, I didn't know nothing about skin to skin. I knew right. I wanted to be there to support her, but I didn't know how to support her. I didn't know mm-hmm. uh the things that she wanted, how to participate how to support her on that. I didn't I didn't understand about going to every doctor visit to ask certain questions. I didn't understand none of that. But when mm-hmm. I be when I started working at Focus Hope but I had the doula on staff and when she found out my lady was pregnant during that time she was like okay make sure you do this and make sure she gave me things to look for tools, the tools that needed. I needed yes. I was like Man, wow so then I began to ask certain questions I began to look for certain things don't cut the umbilical cord too soon you need to wait for a minute mm-hmm. encourage her to breastfeed and encourage her yep. to do skin-to-skin, skin. then I was able to do skin-to-skin. Skin. So I was able to lay her on my chest and let her sit there and hear my heartbeat. And then I continued mm-hmm. to do that. That Sometimes I would let her sleep
0: on my chest. And then mom <laughs> comes, here you go. And then, you know, baby gets you attached to that. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's like, wait a second. Uh, hold on. I thought we were going to have a right, break well, <laughs> right. So that's how you
1: really... Uh, yeah, but uh, it's things that I learned and I was able to share with other men. So now, mm-hmm. okay, now the younger men coming in. Make sure you do skin to skin. I see brothers in the at the mall with a girl printing Hey, brother, make sure we had a baby. Do skin to skin. curse you to breastfeed because that's the important piece. And they sometimes they may look like, uh, they don't know, and then you start sharing that story with them and help them understand. And so with other men that we get in and share their stories now, really preparing them because. We never ask men what are your birthing journey? What do that look like? Right. We never asked right. what's, what's your what's plan. Your plan. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of men don't have a plan. It's like, okay, it ain't about me. Uh you might have to right. take child to the doctor. So these are things you're supposed to ask. You're going to be in a the room. These are the things you look for. These are the things mm-hmm. that you work on. So uh it just really excites me more to have the knowledge and to be able to share to make it and make it appear like I'm an expert. I'm really not. You know. <laughs>
0: I, <laughs> Listen, you are an expert, man. Like you're a father, you You know, you're doing it successfully so far, from what I can tell. You know what I'm saying? It's a journey It's a rough being
1: a father and being involved is difficult, uh, and it's but it's rewarding because your kids see you and the kids love you and love you get from your kids and uh, just seeing them grow up and seeing the changes in them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just it's just a wonderful feeling. Uh, and so I try to tell all guys, get that feeling.
0: That's what man, I man, I, I said this almost a similar line in my presentation, man. Like get the feeling like this is a rewarding mm-hmm. journey. I know it don't feel like it. But when you see the seeds that you have planted, like grow and develop in their lives and you see them, you know, implementing some of the things that you've taught them, like there's no greater joy to experience. Right. Like you are raising future success right. stories, right? And so with that, like knowing that you help influence that is powerful. And I think that's something that if we focus on that, that helps us to stay encouraged, helps us, you know, to to continue to do the work of being inv- a father, because sometimes the glory isn't there. You know, right. we got Father's Day coming up, right? right. <laughs> and sometimes we don't necessarily get celebrated or appreciated the, the way we desire. But
1: I've seen a couple of Father's com- Father's Day commercials now, where I've never seen them before, I've been noticing a few of them coming out now. You're getting a few of
0: them. things are changing, right? changing, Things are definitely changing, mm-hmm. things are definitely changing. I think that part of the reason why because fathers are getting more involved, right? Yes. Fathers are getting more engaged and getting more active, right? We're letting our voices be heard, and so that's something that we have to continue to do. I love the fact that you talk about you know, a lot of times we see a woman, you know showing and pregnant it's like oh congratulations and the, the the father or the husband or you know the man can be right mm-hmm. there you know and it's like nothing like, right like just a maybe out of fear, yeah 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 maybe out of fear of you know maybe that's not the baby daddy whatever 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 but still the point is like there's still like a, a lack of acknowledgement mm-hmm. right and and as you stated, like I went in, I went in without a plan. I had no clue what was mm-hmm. going to take place. I was like, I'm here, you know, what am I supposed to do? So with my first child, I didn't necessarily do, I didn't do skin to skin. I knew we wanted to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I knew that part and I knew how I wanted to help support the best way I could with that. And a lot of things I stumbled and learned on the way, right? Because after my, my daughter was born, which was my oldest, um, you know, I would put her to sleep. So I had keep her close to my mm-hmm. chest. And like, I, I was the one that could make sure she got to sleep, Right she wouldn't sleep without me. And so like that to me, like it began to open up my eyes about what type of influence I, I actually do have. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not just a body. I'm not just meant to go out and and bring home the money. I'm not just meant to protect, but I do, I can do more. Right. Like there's more ways that I can support my wife and my children. And so the more I did that, the more um, like, there's things that I could just get them to do. My wife was like, how do you do that? I'm like, they just I don't know. They just listen to me like without having to go, you know, yelling go and right. being all crazy It's like, oh, daddy said this. So let me go ahead and do. Right. And so um, being involved, man, like this, there's, there's to me, that's one of the greatest gifts uh, we can ever not only give our children, but give to ourselves. Right. Like we receive so much, even as we're giving out so much. So, um, man, that's that's been great. Um, Anything you want to say before we get ready and close out? Like, I, I mean, I, I could, we could continue right. to do this, you know, <laughs> for a while, but uh, is there anything you want to leave with the listeners before we close out this episode? For men uh, to get involved and uh, ask for help
1: mm. and know and understand you can never get everybody else together unless you have yourself together. The weight is not really meant for you to carry alone. Is brothers out here understand? It just because a guy got a certain tie on. He sometimes we going through the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Income don't matter. Race don't mm-hmm. matter. <laughs> Male situations is being a father is a rough piece, and we all go through the same thing, some ways. And for women, just don't make it hard for men, and just be patient with
0: them in their learning curve. Man, yep, that's 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 wisdom right there. That's wisdom. But listen. For our listeners, you heard it here, like if you need resources, Focus Hope if you're in the Metro Detroit area is a great resource. Uh, Hayes here as a director can definitely get you connected with anything that you need. Um, Get At Me Dad, of course, is a resource to help connect you with other resources right, to make sure that you get what you need to be successful at leading your families and raising your children. And so uh, if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out to us. That's what we're here for. We want to get dads involved and engaged, educated, so that they can help change the narrative of what fatherhood looks like in the black and minority communities. Uh, So until next time, this is Get At Me, Dad. We look forward to uh, the next episode. Until then, peace.